means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army. Elizabeth is back with us. Hello everyone. And before we even get into the chapter, there is a whole bunch of shout outs. We have not (laughs) been doing shout outs uh, very uh, much recently. And someone's been slacking. I know, that's my bad. And now I have to shout them all out. It's going to take a minute. So uh, first shout out comes for Mabel, who left a comment on our Order of the Phoenix Chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot. Mabel says, quote, been dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety lately, especially at nighttime, and this podcast has been helping me uh, be able to sleep, even though I end up uh, laughing and arguing with y'all while trying to sleep. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I'm sorry we're keeping you from your sleep. Sleep (laughs) is so important. Uh, I I mean, I'm going to speak for myself here. I know that vibe of trying to get to sleep at night, having some anxiety, some stress hits you, and you need a little something to help get you through that. And for me, Harry Potter has been that. Mm -hmm. I I would go back and I would read Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. It's a comfort thing. It is a comfort thing. So I am very happy that we can provide a little bit of respite from all of that (laughs) while talking Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Thank and you for listening. Thank you for listening, and I'm glad we can make you laugh, <laughs> and I'm glad you want to argue with us a little bit. I mean, that's fine, too. <laughs> I feel Nothing like that's one that. of your main goals, is just, like, get people to argue with you. There's n- nothing wrong, <laughs> nothing wrong in differing opinions. Mm-hmm. That's totally cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually really awesome that we have differing opinions, <laughs> even though we're reading the same text. Yeah, otherwise this you would know? be super boring. It would be super boring. Anyway. Mabel wouldn't want to listen at all. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got Anna Jane, who left a comment on our Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 5 Diagon Alley episode. And she says, it's awesome. I'm reading this at school, so I listen to this while I work out. Ooh, reading it at school, like for class, like your English class? Because you know I'm an English teacher, so if that's it, I highly approve. Maybe she's just reading it in her downtime then i approve even more classes (laughs) but i'm happy that you're listening to this uh while you're working out i feel like that's a really good use of a podcast i feel like that's something a lot of people do is listen to podcasts while Mm. they work out so that's pretty awesome thank you again for listening we have elizabeth with an s oh see i spell mine with a z so we know it's not you then (laughs) uh also left a comment on the sorcerer's stone chapter five love harry potter Love this. No, Very nice. Thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thank you very much for the comment. We really appreciate it. Uh, we got Gracie May, who left a comment on our Order of the Phoenix Chapter 16 in the Hog's Head episode. And she commented on the debate that Anna and I were having. Not the debate so much, but Anna's commentary about Zachariah Smith. She mm. goes, uh, Gracie says, I hated Zacharias terribly in this. Uh, does Umbridge have to be in the in Harry Potter? Because I hate her. Smiley face. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Potterheads. Love you. 
exclamation point smiley face. Thank you so much. Yeah, I thought your guys' Zechariah Smith commentary was pretty fun. I was really happy. First of all, it's very Anna to bring up a whole philosophical <laughs> conversation on what I called a barely fringe tertiary character in the yep, whole thing. I approve. Uh, loved it. Uh, this is probably a good opportunity. On that episode in the Hog's Head, we put on a poll mm. and essentially gauging feelings on Zachariah Smith. And right now, the poll has it at 64% of people think he's a massive jerk. 36% of people think he's a little misunderstood, like Anna mm -hmm. uh, thought during that episode. Yeah, I think I voted misunderstood because Anna convinced me. So Anna made a very strong argument for it. Yeah. And I, I got to say, I kind of like her take on it. Yeah. So Listen to the episode if you haven't yet. It's a, it's a really interesting take that Anna has. Go back and listen to it. Uh, thank you, Gracie, for that comment and kind of weighing in on your two cents on that poll. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, next comment is also from the In the Hogshead chapter, and it's from The Big Bambino. <laughs> uh, love the name. Uh, so he says, uh, well, it's taken about five months, but I finally caught up on the podcast. Hey, ha congratulations. <laughs> he says he's been enjoying it a ton. Good. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to catch up on the podcast. It took you five months. I unbelievable that we've been doing this for a while now it's unbelievable that we've been doing it for a month let alone how many years now? yeah yeah it's kind of crazy <laughs> so thank you very much for putting in the time and the effort to actually catch up on the podcast we very much appreciate it It kind of puts a lot of the hard work that we yeah, put into this i'm really glad you enjoyed it makes it worth to catch it. up yeah um i'm saving this last one for the end because elizabeth has to comment on it <laughs> we have a comment from Alice, uh, who left a comment on our Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces episode. Mm. She goes, Elizabeth, <laughs> with a lot of ha-ha-has. Uh, I had the same thoughts about Voldy slash Quirrell. I need these details in my life. <laughs> uh, in love with this podcast, I live near where Diagon Alley was based oh, in cool. Devon. It's so lovely. Good. So, I'm glad there's someone else who also wants all those details because I still want to know how the heck Voldemort being in the back of Coral's head, how did that work on a daily basis? Someone please film that Maybe for me. just slept and put the head to the side. So both have like comfort sleeping arrangements. I don't know. What if one snores and the other is like, I can't sleep? <laughs> well you know there's a lot of controversy because if you go off the movie depiction of it yeah the, i believe that voldy has a nose like has an actual nose so oh. he could maybe actually snore <laughs> so maybe it's voldy that's snoring during the whole thing or maybe he's just up the entire night can a that's so awful you need sleep not if you're a possessed wisp of a ghost or whatever he what was a horrible existence if you can't have any sleep no, what a horrible existence for Quirrell, because he's probably up being like, hey, you up? Imagine, you up? How, <laughs> imagine how awkward to be the first time. Do you want to talk about Harry Potter? <laughs> 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 that boy. <laughs> I must kill that boy. <laughs> Just imagine how awkward, though, it would have been the first time that he possessed him and be like, hey, can you can you hear me? Can you hear my thoughts? Can you, can you see me? Can you can hear I, me now? Like can, the, yeah. What was that, the Verizon, Verizon commercial? Verizon, can you hear me now? Not sponsored by Verizon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so I'm so glad somebody else also agrees that we need answers. 
Uh, thank you very much, Alice, uh, <laughs> for listening and for putting in your two cents on the man with two faces. Elizabeth clearly enjoyed that comment. <laughs> with that, almost get to the chapter. Yeah, right. We've we've gotten through a lot of the, the a lot of the shoutouts, but let's get to the chapter. We have. I'll just run it down really quick. We have a scene in charms class with the trio. We have uh, some Quidditch uh, practice, I guess, in some inclement <laughs> if you weather. Call it that, yeah. Uh, and I think you had a note. Angelina Johnson has just had some a terrible run of luck as <laughs> as the Quidditch captain here. Uh, we also get a little bit of um, some Harry's scar background. Mm -hmm. We also get Dobby. Dobby makes an appearance in this chapter. Yay. We get a lot of that. And we get uh, the first practice of what is to be known as the DA. Dumbledore's Army. Stunner, it's the chapter title. Yeah. So uh, going back to the charms class real quick. Really, we start off the chapter with them acknowledging, like, you know what's the best place for a really covert conversation? Charms. Everybody's moving. Everybody's talking. There's a bunch of sound. Yeah. No one's really paying attention to any one thing. They said the danger of being overheard was very slight. You'd think, if they know this fact, they might have tried to have that meeting in the Three Broomsticks instead of in the Hogshead. It's so funny because it's like, obviously Hermione was trying to think logically behind the meeting in the hogshead and be like, okay, well, we don't want people to see what we're doing and to overhear us and whatever. It's like, there's nobody there. So, of course, they're going to hear everything that you said. There was, what, 28 of you? 28 teenagers in a really tiny pub that does not usually see people. It's going to draw some attention. I'm jumping ahead here a little bit in the chapter, but do you think Sirius pointing out, like, Hey, Hermione, that was a great thought, except you still have a lot to learn, kid. <laughs> Do you think that and Sirius kind of like, not really scolding, because to anybody else, that's not really a scolding, but to Hermione, that's like, <gasps> an offensive statement. I think it was so a, a scolding as a, like, oh, it wasn't. a realization that like I really wasn't thinking as smartly as well, I Well, that's what I'm saying. Been. It wasn't a scolding. Mm -hmm. To Hermione, however, when you're saying, oh, you still have a lot to learn, kid. That could be like a deep offense I don't think, to Hermione. I don't think she'd take it as a deep offense. I just, I think she'd take it as a deep failure on her part. And like, she should have known better. And the fact that she didn't is like, oh, shoot. Well, the reason I bring it up is because later in the chapter, she has this like long pause where she's staring blankly out at nothing. <laughs> and Harry and Ron are like, uh, what are you doing? I love when she was like, do you think, yeah, maybe... I don't know. And Ron just had this quote that just cracked me up. Um, he said, well, that clears that up. It would have been really annoying if you hadn't explained yourself properly. That sarcasm from Ron is just perfection. That's my kind of sarcasm. Uh-huh. I love it. Very much my kind of sense of sarcasm. But <laughs> my, my point is with the whole serious comment is she comes out of that kind of thinking state and says, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this defense class. And they're like, um, what? This was your idea. <laughs> and then she goes, yeah, but Sirius seemed really for it. And he's got some bad judgment. So maybe I made a mistake. Which I have some qualms about because, yes, she's saying he's reckless, which he is. I mean, there are some things that he's suggested so far in the book that would probably not be the best idea. Mostly involving him, though. Yeah, but it's like, 
okay, the poor man is cooped up in his house. All last year, he had really good advice that they would always take. Which Harry points out. Yeah, and, like, this year, it's just the fact that he... And, you know, he, like, he, he wants to be involved and he hasn't been. Ron at some point says, Hermione, Sirius isn't an idiot. Right. And he's not. He's experienced. He's been there before. Yes, he does have a reckless streak. Uh, but usually he thinks for Harry and tries to think for Harry and protect him in a way. Mm. It's different than what Molly Weasley might suggest and that take which is what ron says right like hey you're sounding a lot like my mom which hermione <laughs> i don't think takes very well <laughs> even though she bites her lip but but um i think it was it's just interesting that sirius kind of admonishes her admonishes her a little bit in one of the previous chapters and now she's coming back and being like you know not really sure that Sirius is really thinking very, like, very strategically or very logically here. Yeah. Maybe there's see... a little, like, back and forth between Sirius and Hermione of, I can't believe he insulted me like that. I Well, fine, I'm going like, to. I, I don't know about that much, but I, I do think there's, I mean, we see several times in this chapter where she's starting to second guess herself. And it's only where... There's a source that she very much fully trusts the judgment of, aka Dumbledore, mm -hmm. that she's like, okay, yeah, we should do this. I, I don't think it's fair for Hermione, getting back to the the, the actual point. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think it's fair for Hermione to say this about Sirius because mm -hmm. she's saying that he's reckless. Mm -hmm. Has she taken notes on what the three of them have done in their <laughs> four and a half years? Not even four and a half, I four feel years. Like to some degree, Hermione is still that first year girl who was like, oh, we can't break the rules. And every now and then it pops up. She's, and she's throwing like... stones in glass houses is what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? I mean, a really, really, really big rule has now been made of no more groups of this size, right? So this is a big risk, but... I still think it's a good one. Yeah, I, I I disagree with Hermione fundamentally here, and I'll also disagree with Hermione at other points in this chapter, but we'll get there too. Going back, though, let's go back to charms. What other charms thoughts do you have? Um, this The Silencio charm? Mm -hmm. I kind of want that. <laughs> I kind of would like... You to... want to silence me? No. Oh, well, sometimes maybe. Uh, but no, I would love to use it on some of my classes. Let me just say, those freshmen who screech very, very loudly, kind of like those ravens and the frogs that they were trying to silence. Those poor animals, though. They have been subjected to so <laughs> much animal abuse. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that Flitwick uses ravens because ravens and, uh, like... Crows, I think, those those kind of birds, like they have a very good memory for people. And if you befriend them, they will bring you presents, which is why I think it'd be super fun to have a raven as a as a little pet. Also because of Edgar Allan Poe, but that's a different story. But if you are mean to them, they remember you and they teach each other like your face and you will be like traumatized by these birds. So the fact that they're silencing them, I feel like Footwork has set them up to have some bird enemies. I'm assuming she's using a raven just because it's uh, not inherently a magical animal, but 
it's tied to magic a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I still am like, you could use a parrot. <laughs> That'd be easier. <laughs> Guys, Flitwick just returned from the Bahamas. He's brought... <laughs> As serious where he got those big tropical birds that he used to send letters with. Silence some of them. Don't silence the raven. You gotta quote the raven. Nevermore. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, my whole thing was Harry almost squished a frog to death. Yeah. <laughs> like these <laughs> poor, poor, poor animals. Uh, how does Hagrid deal with all of this? Like, does Hagrid I just don't like know. cool with it all, or he? Seems to me like he would be the PETA version of <laughs> teachers at this school. Or at least the magical creatures. These are regular animals. But I guess that gets into a whole can of worms of like, if these animals can be aware of the magical world, does that make them extra special? Well, she put in a description of like, the frog was trying to get away. And then Harry yeah. was like, Akio, and brought the frog, quote, gloomily back to his <laughs> hand. So is the frog like, like the stupid got me. witches and wizards stupid their stupid magic magic. I just want to go to a swamp. Anyway. <laughs> uh so but yeah, there's do, the chaos of charms. We do also get uh Hermione giving us a little small lesson on wand work <laughs> and the idea that Ron, you can't just like wave your wand for the spell. You need to have a specific wand movement to execute the spell effectively. Which you would think by fifth year he would have realized by now. I don't think he. I don't think he's really paying attention and trying. True. Quite honestly. Yeah, because didn't he start to inflate his frog? Because he's yeah, he's like waving the wand and yeah. That definitely makes me think of that scene in Shrek when they make balloon animals out of the animals. <laughs> that frog that just gets like. <laughs> So to your point, um, Hermione's like, fine, we'll switch animals. And then because Ron points out like, well, ravens are harder to silence than the frogs. Frog. Yeah, and she shuts that raven up very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The frog, not so much. <laughs> anyway, speaking of shutting things up, uh, Peeves gets a mention. I love mentions of Peeves, especially scenes like this where it's like there's obviously something that we the readers are supposed to be focusing on but this is background stuff that you could just imagine the chaos that he's doing here's the thing elizabeth <laughs> i know you enjoy peeves as a reader of harry potter <laughs> if you were a professor at hogwarts oh he'd drive me nuts he would drive you <laughs> nuts which i was kind of wondering about because okay so he was sh like shooting ink pellets of various kids and it seems like most of them were kind of ignoring him. But poor Katie Bell was like throwing things at him. And then he emptied an entire ink bottle overhead. Which makes me wonder if it'd be better to ignore him or to confront him. Because I feel like on the one hand, if you're ignoring him, he's going to continue to do it to see if he can get a rise out of you. But if you confront him, then he's gotten that rise. And it's going to escalate to the point of getting you gotta, ink on your head. You have to confront him, but you have to confront him in a definitive way for example uh remember what lupin did when peeves showed up yeah when i shoved the gum up his nose yeah <laughs> I, I mean honestly you have to be like all right if you're gonna do this to me i'm gonna come right back at you yeah and f from that point forward we never get a peeves interrupting lupin's class ever again <laughs> do we so do you think if peeves could see um a bogart would it be lupin 
<laughs> I don't I don't I don't think so. I, it might, gum it, just shove it it might be McGonagall because McGonagall has I some feel like McGonagall and, and Lupin have a uh, not Lupin McGonagall and Peeves has a very special yes yeah, stay away don't mess with McGonagall that's yeah. that's the relationship yeah anyway <laughs> um so we get to uh Quidditch practice yeah which I know is your favorite thing in the world to talk about I mind the practices i feel like i enjoy them more than the the meets maybe as, as both an athlete and an athletic trainer that kills your soul i cannot no it's just for the life of me i cannot understand why they are doing practice in these conditions and i know angelina johnson says oh we'll probably be playing slytherin in similar conditions well you shouldn't be playing them in similar conditions anyway just <laughs> Try to get, and I get we're talking about Northern Scotland, and there's probably weather issues most well, of the year. Well, haven't they but... been unable to practice for a week? Well, yeah, because it's been banned. She just right. got clearance. So, so far, it's been, okay, you had a week of no practices, and there was one practice where everyone was there, but the Slytherins were also there mocking them. And then every other practice Harry hasn't been able to be at. Yeah. So I feel like she's probably thinking, okay, I finally have the whole team together. Let's actually practice. But not everyone's in it, um, especially Fred and George. They have other things to be worrying about on their body right now. Yeah, they were thinking about using, uh, well, Ron wanted some some puking pastoral or some one of their get me out of practice. snack boxes <laughs> to get them out of practice yeah and he's like wait maybe fever fudge and they're like well fever fudge works in that it will get your temperature up mm -hmm. but there's some side effects that we haven't really figured out just yet mm -hmm. there's boils not in fun places yeah and ron is like what are you talking about i don't see any boils and they're like yeah they're not popping up in places we generally show in public <laughs> and it's like oh Oh. That also does make me, like, that is interesting to think of all the side effects they've been having that they haven't necessarily been telling people about. Because I would, I would think if the fever gets raised successfully, like, is it, I mean, how do they control that, right? Like, couldn't it just go up, 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 up? Correct. So, like. And we know they've been experimenting with fairly dangerous things, like yeah. actual venom from yeah. dark magic-based creatures. And it's like. If you're the messing fact they this haven't up, died yet is astounding. It's really, it's a miracle, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so they decide on using an impervious spell to try to keep the rain, uh, fog, and under any other elements out of their face and eyes. Mm -hmm. And my question is, is that legal? Can they be doing that? like for a match or anything like that or is that considered a quote performance enhancing spell yeah i don't know i mean they definitely did that for harry's glasses so they didn't make a big scene out of it but i could see the slytherins as being like nope can't do it There's, there we has win to automatically. there has to be some limit on what magic you're allowed to do for quick yeah because i mean if you were to suddenly start doing charms on yourself or various Take potions or whatever. You could put charms on your broom. You could put, mm -hmm. you could put charms on the actual equipment of the Quidditch game if, as long as you do it sneakily or enough. Or like jinx other people's brooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
So there has to be a limit because then it becomes not so much a Quidditch sport competition. Then it just becomes a free for all. I imagine just for this practice, that's what they're going for. But I just like you said, I feel so bad for Angelina because I mean, she's had her seeker out for the vast majority of the season so far. The stupid umbrage decided to ban sports for a week and she had to go above her head to get permission to practice i mean what she went to mcgonagall mcgonagall went to dumbledore presumably and it was like okay yes you can do it and then you i mean she had katie was bleeding that one time and now the weather's god awful and the slytherins are being obnoxious and she's got a keeper who doesn't have the confidence it's just like I wonder how Wood would have done under these circumstances. I really don't feel like he'd do much he would have better been than stressed. her. He would have been very, very stressed yeah. out. Yeah. Imagine um, how, how he would have reacted to Harry's detentions. He would have kicked him off the team. <laughs> he would have kicked him off the team. Well, I don't know if he'd find someone better than Harry. No, but he'd still kick him off the team. He'd be like, are you kidding me right now? You can't, you're <laughs> not playing anyway. <laughs> so, speaking of stressed... Mm-hmm. Harry has a stressful moment in the locker room after the practice. He mm-hmm. has his scar hurting again. Everybody questions it. He's like, ah, I just poked myself in the eyes. I was drying off. Okay. Ron stays behind. Ron knows better. And he, Harry lets him in on some interesting information that he can feel what Voldy is feeling. He's like his scar is Voldemort's mood ring. So <laughs> in this particular instance, he said... Oh, he's upset. He's very angry. He said he wants something done and it's not happening fast enough. And then when it hurt with Umbridge, he said, thinking back, Voldemort was pleased. He was happy. Yeah, really pleased. So and the night before we came back to Hogwarts, he was furious. Yeah. Harry refuses to inform Albus of this because Harry says, well... Dumbledore already knows that it's happening. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to tell him. That's mm-hmm. just repeating things, wasting time. Ron is like, no, I really think he would want to know about this. Well, especially since this is like a, I mean, this is taking it up a notch. Like, yes, he knows you've been feeling your scar hurting, but he, his mouth almost spoke Voldemort's feelings without even realizing he knew what they were. And don't you think Dumbledore would want to, at the very least, know? <laughs> Dumbledore would want to know if Voldy is happy or angry, given the situation, given the moment. Yeah. That could be useful intel for the Order. Yeah. To base on, like, oh, Dumbledore, uh, Voldemort failed getting this. Or, oh, Vol- Voldemort's happy. That's not good for us. Right. <laughs> you I know, know what that's about. Yeah. What's coming. Yeah. Um, it's something that Dumbledore should be aware of, and I think Ron is just flat right about this. And if even Ron is like, you need to tell Dumbledore, like, you should probably And tell Harry, Dumbledore. Harry's glad he didn't run into Hermione in the Gryffindor Tower, because he didn't want to hear the same thing from her. <laughs> yeah, she'd luck so even harder. So two people are pretty certain about, hey, you should probably do this, you should probably do it. I wonder at what point it's... I mean, some of the blame almost goes on Ron and Hermione because they haven't pushed even further. Like, in general, I, I fully believe it's it's on Harry to say it. Well, they're but... petrified he's going to snap at them again. True. Because even when Hermione's starting to speak about Sirius, she there's a moment where Harry can tell she's measuring her words carefully. Well, I don't think that's because she thinks Harry's going to snap on her. I think oh, that's I just because 
she wants to make sure that she is wording it correctly. I think it's both. I think she's she knows she's speaking on Sirius, and she knows Harry feels a certain way about Sirius. Yeah. So she can't just let it fly. She's got to fluff the words a little bit. <laughs> but obviously, he can't go to Sirius like he normally would because his mail is getting watched. Uh, Umbridge almost caught him in the the flu powder in mm-hmm. the fireplace, and. Honestly, I don't think Harry wants to hear a third person say, hey, go, go, talk, to <laughs> go talk to Dumbledore about this. But anyway, so uh, we get to Harry in the Gryffindor common room who he just legs and legs and legs in doing his homework. Yeah, he was looking up confusing and befuddlement draughts where the wizard is uh, desirous of producing hot-headedness and recklessness. Yep. Which I don't understand why you would want that. It doesn't have to be for yourself. You Even just, still. You can give it to someone else Even if you're looking still, for a desired wanna, effect. I don't want to deal with anyone who's hot-headed and reckless. If you're looking for a certain reaction, yeah. If you want them off their game and you yeah. on yours, sure. You think that would be allowed in Quidditch? No. <laughs> I, well, my delay was, I don't know that that's the circumstance that I'd want. Like, if there was some press briefing or something like that or some interview Mm. and you could slip it and then they're like a little off their game that way then you get the job instead or you get a quote out of them that they don't necessarily mean to say in public for the profit or something like that it just fascinates me some of the stuff that they have to study and like what what's the usage what what scenarios would you need that so after Harry has long forgotten uh, to do his homework and just, <laughs> not forgotten, but has long neglected to do his homework, uh, Dobby appears and wakes him up with Hedwig. And Hedwig and... is healed and refreshed and ready to return to her normal owl activities. Which is great. Dobby is quite a sight, though. He has so many hats on. And so many scars. And it comes out that he has been taking every bit of clothing that Hermione has left in the Gryffindor Tower. This is the second part that I disagree with Hermione in this chapter is I'm not a fan of her leaving these. And this is the exact reason why. Because Dobby lets us know that they find these quote unquote gifts Mm -hmm. insulting. Mm -hmm. And now Dobby has to clean the entire Gryffindor like power by himself which i'm sure hermione would yeah, be- enjoy because they've been so offended by this yeah. that they've given up working here yeah um which is another thing altogether like they want to do the work mm-hmm. so the fact that they've stopped working here mm-hmm. like this is a lot says a lot they're deeply offended by this which i this is one thing that i wish hermione could see the other side of the coin on Mm-hmm. And she ref- she flat out refuses to hear the- anything to the contrary. I still think they could pick up the clothes. Like, I mean, we had this discussion before. I forget which chapter it was. Like, they still could pick them up because they're not being gifted them, really. They're just, like, it's there. Like, the same way you're picking up I think it's the whole idea laundry. of it. But, yeah, I agree. I think it's, this is insulting. Why are you putting these clothes everywhere when you know that this is a thing that would free me and I don't want that? And they just seem to have a negative opinion of just clothes in general. Yeah. They don't like 
them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's because of what they symbolize. And if they're particularly happy where they w are working, mm -hmm. like working at Hogwarts is probably not the worst. Like Dobby worked in a very, horrible very environment. Toxic. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, maybe pick and choose your battles a little bit better, Hermione. Mm -hmm. But anyway. But Dobby, once again, comes in clutch with some great information. Last time we saw him come in clutch was with the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, that was... <laughs> you know my opinions on that, <laughs> that second task abomination oh, of... Oh, thank you, Dobby. <laughs> Harry had his hand held all the way to the... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Not going to go down that rant again, but... Uh, Dobby does come in clutch. He says, if there's anything Harry Potter needs, just let me know. Mm -hmm. And Harry's about to go up to his dorm and then he's like, actually, do you know of any place we can practice and no one can find us? And he's expecting Dobby to be like, oh, man, that's a hard ask. I don't know that I can get you that. And instead, Dobby's like, oh, I got just a place. Which, before we talk about the place, I will say, and I know the internet has pointed this out too. I didn't put this in my notes. It's just coming to me now. You'd think he'd think about the Chamber of Secrets, you know? Like, it's a very secret place where only he can really get to. And he's been inside before. We know it's safe now. We know there's plenty of room down there to do all sorts of spells and whatnot. The biggest challenge would be sneaking people in and out of the bathroom. But... Only him... The only staff members that would know would probably be... Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Snape. You yeah, assume. there's no way that Umbridge would be aware. Just be like, oh, people are sneaking into the bathroom. Okay. And then they're not coming out. Like, I mean, I don't know how often she's paying attention to the bathroom. So it could be a perfect place to do it. And he doesn't think of it. <laughs> I, well, I mean, there's some other connotations involving the Chamber of Secrets. I mean, it's a place of dark. Yeah, Magic. I know, but it's like, reclaim it. <laughs> Put it to good use. I don't know that Dumbledore would be particularly thrilled with now your... It would be a power play for Harry being like, oh, you don't believe I did all this stuff? Let me take you down to the Chamber <laughs> of Secrets. Boom. I could see it as being traumatizing for Ginny and maybe yeah. to, to a degree Ron. But I Dumbledore, I don't think, would be super hyped about that as a location either. I think he <laughs> wants to put that piece of Hogwarts history behind. I behind. don't know if Dumbledore would really have an opinion one way or the other, but it's just always one of those, like, you're looking for a big, large, secret place to practice. You already know of one, Also, Harry. for the record, just assuming, there's also a decomposing basilisk down there. <laughs> I'm sure Hermione knows some, like, perfume spell. <laughs> just throwing that out there. It's just, like, one of those examples of where Harry, he learned something, and then he seems to immediately forget it. Like, I always think about when he does the Accio for summoning his broom, and then he's stuck in the stairs in Goblet of Fire, and the mat falls, and the egg falls. It's like, dude, you have your wand. Just say the stupid spell, and it will fly back to you and problem solve. I do think Harry should at least think of the Chamber of Secrets as an option. That's probably true. Um, I don't know that they should. <laughs> well, he's lucky because this room is significantly It's better. perfect. So Dobby refers to it as the come and go room. But 
generally it's referred to as the Room of Requirement. I love the Room of Requirement. So it technically doesn't always exist per se. Mm -hmm. It literally comes and goes, and it comes and goes at the whim of whatever the person that happens to come by it needs at that time. It has some kind of specific rules, though, because you have to walk past it three times, and you have to be thinking about what you want. I'm not 100% sure about that, walking by it three times. I get that that would eliminate a lot of random people just coming across <laughs> it. Uh, but at the same time, are you telling me like Fred and George got to this uh, place, uh, seventh floor, across from Barnabas the Barmy, being clubbed by trolls for teaching them ballet? I could see... Are you telling me that Fred and George got to that spot mm -hmm. and just ran back and forth three times well, away from Filch. what if, like, Filch is coming one way and then Peeves is coming from another and then Mrs. Norris turns the corner and it's like, oh, shoot, which way do we go? Almost like a Scooby-Doo kind of thing. I'd, I find it very hard to believe that it's a firm <laughs> go back and forth three times. <laughs> but whatever. Either way, the room is fantastic and I want one. It's perfect. Yeah. It's equipped with whatever that user desires. Mm -hmm. So Dumbledore, you know, Harry mentions that Dumbledore uh, in Goblet of Fire at the Yule Ball mentioned like... He wanted a bathroom. Yeah. I really just needed a bathroom. <laughs> so it magically appeared and there were, you know, chamber pots. It's mm -hmm. great. Um, Dobby said Filch has found like cleaning supplies in it before whenever he's... Well, he out. also says he himself has used it to... to store uh winky yeah to get over her hangovers yeah <laughs> elf size bed oh, some tonic some cures, some cures. yeah Aww. yeah so anyway uh harry finds out the exact location and the instructions on how to get in there which we mentioned mm -hmm. and then we have the first practice so <laughs> there's a lot going on in this practice but since we have a teacher here on the podcast today as a guest uh harry i feel like you always have me on through these chapters for that very reason harry has now experiences what it's like to be a professor at hogwarts in a sense oh gosh uh and in one sense he has to deal with hermione hermione raising her hand constantly throughout his opening introductory speech okay honestly though i am all for hermione doing that and I think it's just because she immediately establishes for him a sense of authority. And I mean, like literally raising your hand to someone and being like, can I ask a question? Automatically just puts you as like the submissive to them. So I think that was really great that she did it. I, I think just it's like great the, she gave the title for the group. I just like the imaging of... Mr. Potter, yeah, can like, I ask a question? Well, just like Harry being like... Okay, guys, trying to get into his flow and his rhythm, trying to get used to leading a class, and he gets constantly interrupted by... Well, that is very realistic. And also realistic, he said, like, he started to explain to the first people um, that came in, like, what this room is and how he figured it out. And then before he could even finish telling them about it, more people came in asking, and he had to start all over again. And if that is not true to teaching, I don't know what is. Before we get too far away from it, I would, I would, a lot of people would yell at me if I didn't point this out. And let's give Dobby his full credit here. Oh, yeah, this came through. Because he is just so unfortunately left out of most of the Harry Potter movies. 
and he's egregiously left out of the Order of the Phoenix movie when he's such a pivotal plot point. Is like, he not in it at all? I don't remember. He's not in that movie at all. At all? Not at all. Not once. What? He's not even mentioned. I think it was Neville in the movie who found the Room of Requirement. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I still hate these movies. <laughs> let's let's give Dobby his uh, his props here because this is a pivotal plot point finding the Room of Requirement to give these kids a place to practice safely away from Umbridge. Away from Umbridge. Yeah, I mean, like, this room is fantastic because they, I think Ron pointed out there's the pillows that they can use for stunning. Hermione immediately pulls a book off the shelf because there's so many books that Umbridge would flip her lid on if she saw that they were looking at them. Um, and there's, I mean, there's the dark magic detectors that Harry points out when he needs a whistle so that people can listen to him because he doesn't have his teacher voice just yet. That just pops up it's it's so cool to me that this stuff just appears and it also makes me question how much like you could ask the room to provide and then take from it like if you wanted to become rich could you ask for a million dollars and then it provides or when i read this i always think about those books and like i mean the students have to buy all their books imagine if they had asked the room for all the lockhart books the weasleys would be like dang i don't have to spend a cent <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's a limit to that. <laughs> and Hermione sits down and reads that book right there. I don't know if she'd be able to take it away mm -hmm. from the room. We don't really ever get that answer. So I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a limit to it. Yeah. Anyway, we, we do get the official <clears throat> name. And there's a couple of names that come up previously. Uh, Angelina Johnson, I think, gives the first option, which is honestly not a bad first option. The Anti-Umbridge League. <laughs> um, really, the problem there isn't so much the name. It's the abbreviation. It'd be the A-U-L, which just doesn't roll at all. Um, that's really the Also, I feel like if you point. say Umbridge, her ears are going to perk up a little bit just to hear what's going on with her name. Then you get the Ministry of Magic Armorons group. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong, but Fred, my man. You can do better. What would you that have was, said? I, I'm sorry. That is not the most creative. <laughs> you have in a person as creative and inventive as Fred, who's coming up with these snack boxes, and the best he can do is the Ministry of Magic are morons. So what would you have You're said? You're much more clever than that. I'm not Fred. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fred can do better. He can do better. So we get the actual the DA name comes from Cho. Right. Which I don't think many people actually remember or give her credit for at all. Well, yeah, because the abbreviation doesn't stay the same. But, but everybody she, ref everybody refers to it as the DA. Right. Everybody refers to it as the DA. She calls it the Defense Association. The Defense Association. Right. Uh, the DA for short. Mm -hmm. And Ginny's like, I like the DA, but let's switch it to Dumbledore's Army. And Which is fantastic poking at the Ministry. Yeah. So, which... <laughs> They're trying to find a name that's obvious, but also not obvious. And mm -hmm. I feel like this is still on the obvious bit because you're doing it specifically because mm -hmm. the ministry is fearful of it. So if the ministry, Umbridge, ever finds out about this, I also, that's a problem. Like, what if, I mean, they take defense against the dark arts. D-A-D-A. -D -A. Wouldn't just D-A be dark arts? Couldn't that the Dark Arts Club? Yeah, like we're the Dark Arts Club. And, you know, 
Like, that would maybe catch my attention. Be like, what are they doing? <laughs> I don't know that the ministry would like that either. <laughs> the ministry would not like any of this. <laughs> maybe Umbridge would approve of it more, though. She seems pretty dark. Anyway, so Harry decides that the first spell up on his list of things to teach these students is Expelliarmus. Mm-hmm. Which I will again point out to Anna's chagrin that Harry learns from Severus Snape. Snape. And Zachariah Smith is immediately like, oh, come on. This is so stupid. Okay. In fairness, I do see where Zacharias is coming with this. Because <laughs> ad- admittedly, a disarming spell against the potentially the greatest dark wizard of all time. Come on, man. <laughs> I'll give him a break on that. <laughs> I won't give him as much of a break as you will because trust that your teacher knows what they're doing and there's a reason why we're starting with the foundation stuff because five seconds later when we're practicing it, clearly we needed to practice this. There were some lacking skills. Well, well I do like that. Um, I do like the idea that Harry, when this is all going on, recognizes, quote, shoddy spell work. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, we've, me and Anna and everybody on this podcast, uh, you know, Julia has been a very anti-Harry Potter, especially in this book. Uh, But Anna's a very fervent defender Mm. of Harry. And I feel like we've discussed, oh, Harry's talented at this. Oh, he's being an idiot here or whatever. I think this little snippet that's a, throwaway line meant to be like oh here's a harry harry is a teacher moment mm-hmm. is a real credit to harry that he could stand back there and be like guys we're better than this yeah. like th- this is some pretty bad spell work harry is able to intake analyze and assess other people's spells and this is i think a big step for him because think about it he's done Four and, what, a quarter if that. of years at Hogwarts now. He's seen a lot of magic. Mm-hmm. And he's probably thought nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Defense against the dark arts and charms and whatever. And he's been a part of it sometimes. And it's never really registered with him. And now he's in this, quote unquote, leadership, not quote unquote. He's in this leadership position. And he's looking around at his peers and going... This isn't good enough. We need to be better. Well, also, I think, I mean, if you, again, want to step into a classroom, if you give any type of, like, group assignment or partner practice or whatever, the way that this group devolves is so realistic. I mean, he said how, like, the twins were messing with Zacharias by making... Like, stuff happened every time he opened his mouth. His wand would go, even though he wasn't saying anything. And it was, like, annoying him. You're always going to have the kids, like, poking at each other or throwing things at each other or just messing with each other. And then when they get caught, they're like, sorry, Harry, which was adorable. And then there's, like, you know, spells are hitting things on the wall. They're not going where they're supposed to. Um, it, it's just it's just a mess. <laughs> there's a reason why he needed a whistle. Well, yeah, I mean... So Harry ends up pairing up with Neville and he takes a moment to assess Mm -hmm. what the class is actually doing. Mm -hmm. And Neville actually is able to disarm Harry 
And he's so proud, too. He's like, this is the first time I was ever able to do it. It's a good teaching moment from Harry because he doesn't point out the fact that, well, you know, in real life situations, your opponent's probably not going to be distracted and staring right. off in a different direction. <laughs> With their arm, like, just limply at their side. He gives encouragement. <laughs> he's like, hey, good job. That's that's awesome. Like, keep it up. And it's encouraging for Harry because Neville was so excited about that. Yeah. So, um, we, like you said, we get Fred and George constantly disarming Zacharias from behind his back. Which, to be fair, is hilarious. <laughs> but, like, you can't laugh at it because you're the teacher. Well, also, it's like, great, Fred and George are good at disarming spells. Awesome. Can we let Michael Corner, or right. not Michael Corner, can we get uh, Give them a Anthony Goldstein and Zacharias, Zacharias. Yeah, they gotta... a chance to actually practice? <laughs> um, but, yeah, we get this awesome breakdown of the group that I am going to read for you right here, if I could find the page. So we get this awesome breakdown of the group. And I'll just read the, the passage to you here. Harry walked around the other pairs, trying to correct those who were doing the spell wrong. Ginny was teamed with Michael Corner. She was doing very well, whereas Michael was either very bad or just unwilling to jinx her. Hmm. Ernie McMillan was flourishing his wand unnecessarily. <laughs> giving his partner time to get in under his guard. The Creevy brothers were enthusiastic, but erratic, and mainly responsible for all of the books leaping off the shelves around them. <laughs> Luna Lovegood was similarly patchy, occasionally sending Justin Finch Fletchley's wand spinning out of his hand, at other times merely causing his hair to stand on end. I love that passage for two reasons one it's a really cool breakdown of where they're at magically mm -hmm. and it shows their personality so much i mean ernie being extra flourish, flourishing like, with the one yeah, come on but yeah. it also shows how harry is able to now look at other people mm -hmm. and break down pluses minuses mm -hmm. what people are doing wrong why they're doing it wrong and to be fair to harry i mean this is a fairly large class size it was 28 people that's that's a decent size. I think, I don't know how this translates to specifically English, but I have done some of my own teaching in mm -hmm. the athletic training profession. And I think when you see someone that's maybe not as proficient mm -hmm. as you in something, mm -hmm. you learn from that as well. Oh, 100%. Because you see that and you're like, oh, that's where they're making that mistake. Yeah. Or, oh, that's where they're going wrong. Yeah, and then you learn, like, okay, if that's the way that they're misinterpreting something, well, now I can know that for the next student. And, and how do I... Fix it, yeah. How do I fix that, and how do I communicate better yeah. going forward? And it makes you a better teacher and a better professional in your own right. Yeah, 100%. So I think this first lesson, as much as the Zacharias's and Luna's and Michael Corner's are learning, I think Harry is equally learning just as much. I mean, there's as much as they try to prep you in college for being a teacher, not until you get into the field and do your student teaching, it does it ever become a thing. And then it's like, wow, this is so much more than I thought. And this is a lot. And there's constant, 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 but it's trial by fire and it, it's the best teacher is this why hermione is so good at everything is because she's constantly helping ron and harry <laughs> is that why she's good at like everything um, let's go but, with it yeah okay anyway um so obviously harry's making the rounds like uh, also for the record i made this comment about trelawney and i'll 
most of the other teachers at Hogwarts yeah, they generally go around. around. That's a smart tactic. Yeah, they go around and actually interact with students during class mm -hmm. and try to figure out where you're at, where you're going, where you're going wrong. Are you paying attention or are you on your cell phone? Right. <laughs> they don't have cell phones. I don't know what the wizard <laughs> equivalent would be, but... Sure. <laughs> are you charming a piece of paper to fly over <laughs> to the other? Uh, no, but Harry's making the rounds. And, you know, maybe he's picked that up from his teachers at Hogwarts, mm -hmm. seeing them do it. But he goes around and checks in on everybody. He finally makes it over to Cho and Marietta. And we get a little bit of an interesting interaction. Um, obviously, we get the interaction that Harry focuses on, which is Cho is nervous. Yeah, why is she so nervous? Because he's over there. Harry plays this very well. And I think he's coming from a leadership perspective. I think being in a leadership role automatically gives you a little bit more confidence, confidence just because exactly. it forces you to. So, I mean, he's able to respond with a little playful banter. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he says, oh, no, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. Okay, no, you're actually really trash. <laughs> but I know you can do it because I, I was watching, watching you from over, over there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, was a, it was a very nice interaction from Harry on that, on that point, not talking about the weather. Um, <laughs> but we also get Cho with a little bit of background on Marietta. Mm-hmm. Cho says that Marietta's mom works for the Ministry of Magic and has explicitly told her not to get in Umbridge's way, which... Which in itself is quite the warning. Like, if this woman knows... I mean, she knows Umbridge and being like, don't get in her way, don't mess with her. There's a couple of different that. ways you could take that. There's that way where it's like, I know Umbridge, stay away from her. Mm -hmm. There's also the, she works for the Ministry, I work for the Ministry... Don't can make you, my life difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you just play under the radar and we'll be good? Uh -huh. And then Cho says she's also been told to stay away from Umbridge's bad side, but she says, I need to do this. Uh -huh. um, so you get a difference in how Cho and Marietta are kind of handling this. And she did mention Cedric, too, with part of her reasoning. And I think that's the motivating factor between her and Marietta is Marietta doesn't have that spark plug right to get her motivated to do this right. whereas Cho does have that motivation this is a friend being dragged like oh my friend's dragging me to this stupid DA right. thing um so I guess um you know we can always kind of get into that discussion about how do we feel about Cho even having Marietta with her mm -hmm. um which is probably a conversation you know we've gotten into it in the past but it's probably a constant conversation that we might be having as long as this DA is going because there's a clear and obvious friction there. Yeah. But she's significantly less enthusiastic than say like I don't know, Ernie or Neville or the twins. Or even Zacharias, because at least yeah. Zacharias is there and participating and interacting. Because, you know, I always had a teacher who mentioned that the ones who challenge aren't necessarily the bad kids. Right. Zacharias challenging Harry right. is not a bad thing necessarily. He wants to learn and make sure that what they're learning is appropriate mm -hmm. and beneficial. Mm -hmm. There's not something inherently wrong with that. Yes, he's coming off as very abrasive, but I don't think it's wrong for Zacharias to challenge a thought. Um, Marietta just seems to not just want to be there at all. Right, which is a big problem. Which is a big problem. Anyway, we'll leave it here, and we will come back after the break with the spoiler section. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army. And I just wanted to start off with uh, Zacharias and the Expelliarmus uh, questioning of Harry. And I can't blame Zacharias for it. Um, And I know Harry is trying to start off the lesson well, giving them a good foundation building block to build off of. And that's the right way to do it. And that's... Mm -hmm. Harry is correct in starting simple and building from there for sure. No doubt about it. But why I say Zacharias is understandably questioning the decision on Expelliarmus is because the Death Eaters do it later as grown yeah, adult the, wizards. They're, they're like, like I'm is... sorry, you're using what spell right now? Or they're like, it's his his like catchphrase almost, his, his giveaway as he always uses Expelliarmus. Yeah, it, it's become, it later becomes his unique mark, mm-hmm. it, you know, other than the scar on his forehead. It's like the scar <laughs> on his forehead and the fact that he uses Expelliarmus in deadly situations <laughs> where no other witch or wizard is happening to use that particular spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get why Harry does it, but it's not like it's completely out of the realm of question for Zacharias to be like, I'm sorry, why are you using that spell in that situation? <laughs> Is that really the first spell we should be doing? It just seems too simple. It... Yeah, it's definitely the right move by Harry. It's okay to question in that sense, too. And I think people are like, why is Zachariah Smith questioning Harry? Well, it's okay to be like, I'm sorry, why are we doing this? Time <laughs> right. out. Like, right. It's okay to say that. Yeah. There's no harm in doing that. Um, it's what Hermione does to Umbridge and everybody's fine with it. (laughs) So like you can question why a teacher is teaching something. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you get a good solid response back, which Harry gives. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. I, I see where we're going. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Cool. But I do also want to point out the fact that this is the start of Harry starting to listen to his scars. And this is going to backfire very hardcore in this book don't always trust everything that scar is telling you slash your dreams are telling you well the whole bit there is similarly to why dumbledore doesn't want to be in the same place as harry Mm -hmm. is there there's a connection obviously with harry and voldemort so Dumbledore is seemingly aware of it now. Mm-hmm. Harry is ignorant to it. And Voldy is completely unaware altogether of it now. Right. Once he becomes aware of it, that's where the danger That's a real problem. Yeah. Don't want that to be happening. The only thing that I do, going back to the DA, Neville, his growth in this book, especially through the DA is so fantastic and you just love to see it it's like his gryffindor side we've seen bits and pieces of every now and then like the whole bravery or whatever but it is going to come out so strong and you just love to see it 
Yeah, it's, you know, you get that kind of moment where Neville's not the popular kid when Harry realizes, like, oh, of course Neville's not paired up with anybody. Mm-hmm. All right. You you and I will work together. It's mm-hmm. fine. And I think that's the best Neville could have hoped for because despite what everybody seems to think of Harry, he's not this uh, arrogant showboat. Mm-hmm. guy he's a very humble like hey let's work on this kind of background kind mm-hmm. of process which is what neville needs he he needs a calm presence which i can't believe i'm saying that word with harry potter well especially after the escape from azkaban with all those death eaters because like your parents torturers are now out there and this has gone from i'm practicing for the sake of like my owls to this is life or death well harry is not snape he's not mcgonagall either Mm -hmm. both have an intimidating presence that throws off neville Mm -hmm. harry comes to neville as a more uh, calming presence, uh, honestly, where he feels a little bit more comfortable talking with and being with Harry. And I think that alone gets Neville in a good mindset. And then the idea that... It's like when you're comfortable, you get to be more confident. And then your true skills are coming through because you're not worried about these teachers like judging you or embarrassing you or this isn't for a grade. attacking you. Yeah, there's not a grade. So you don't have to worry about your grade if that gives you the anxiety too. Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a space, a safe space for him, which is both Harry and probably also the maybe a little bit the magic of the room. Which I also kind of want to talk about that that room. We see the room requirement so much in the series. And I mean... So much, obviously, with the DA, but we see it later become the room of, like, I think Harry calls it, like, hidden things. And that's where we know where Malfoy has been working on the vanishing cabinet, which, of course, backfires, which is a whole thing. I would love to go into the room when it's the room of of hidden things and just organize it because there's so much stuff in there. I think it would be so much fun to just go through and, like, find all the books you say that and then you get to it and then you'd be you'd be so overwhelmed it just reminds me of like indiana jones you get through one bookshelf and then you'd be like i'm done with this but like just imagine like what books have been hidden in there and why were they hidden and every little chest and cabinet that is holding secret stuff it's like i mean it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like like everyone thinks if you were to go into a hoarder's house, like you could find some magical thing, but then of course there's also there's the filth in there. But I don't know. It'd just be fascinating to go through and see what treasures you find and secrets and mysteries that have been forgotten from the world because it's been in this room. And then of course it also becomes like the little hideaway for the whole school when they're dealing with like everything that goes on in book seven. It just amazes me that you know Voldy refers to it later or they think Voldy thinks of the room of requirement like this that he alone has discovered it secret discovered all of Hogwarts secrets yeah uh he's that arrogant and you know Dumbledore is the exact opposite he doesn't pretend to know everything there is to know about Hogwarts yeah and it just surprises me that there hasn't been more students to figure it out like Mm -hmm. you'd think 
Fred and George would have had a grasp on it. You think the Marauders would have had a grasp on well, especially it? Especially since it's by what was it, a bust or a painting of trying to teach trolls how to do ballet. Yeah, most people probably try to avoid that. <laughs> most people also probably would just look at a blank stretch of wall at Hogwarts and be like, why is there a blank stretch of wall? Yeah, or think that it's the door pretending to be a wall or or why is that door sometimes there and sometimes not? I suppose, yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember, what was it, in the first book, I was talking about how some doors, I think, or maybe, I think it might have been the staircases, but, like, some staircases go a different place on Fridays, and you have to remember that. Maybe it's just the fact that this castle seems to move so much that you just kind of forget about it. Or maybe you just get so used to just going to your classes that you don't go exploring for the other unused rooms. So do you think, Filch... Just goes up there every so often and is like, maybe today I'll get a new cleaner. <laughs> maybe today there's another new broom. That are like, I have to clean up more vomit from the ceilings. Please get me something that I can do because my magic is not going to be helping me. I have none. <laughs> isn't it, well, isn't it interesting that it does work for him then? Yeah. I wonder if Muggles would be able to see it. There's a whole other question there. Yeah. All I know is I want a room. I It would give me a bed to be super, super comfy in and a whole bunch of books. And my cat would also be there. And time could stop. And then I could just spend as long as I want in there. And it'd be great. And if there's a whole bunch of self-grading quills that could take care of all my it paperwork. clearly does not have any effect on time because an hour <laughs> went by. Well, I wish it couldn't. But I don't know. Go. I you had also said I don't know if taking objects out of the room if you can, and I think I feel like they could, right? I mean, there, I mean people there put has, stuff into the room. There has to be a limit, though. Otherwise, it gets ridiculous. Well, I know, like they couldn't get food. That was one of the rules that Hermione said that in the seventh year they had to like get a pathway to the kitchens in order to get the food provided for them yeah i, I don't know it would be interesting to see what you can get from the room and then sell from the room or keep from the room or whatever once again house elves come up so big mm -hmm. because they're aware of this room mm -hmm. they're aware of the mechanics of the room how it works the whole bit and it's just like this big massive secret it's not really a secret. Yeah, because they know it, but no one talks to the house elves about No one ever goes to the house elves and been like, hey, is there anything about this school that I might not be aware of? I'd love to know the Hogwarts of history from the elves' perspective. Like, what do they know that we don't? A lot. Clearly <laughs> a lot. How messy was Dumbledore's room when he was in the student there? So, another question we have is the relationship between Cho and Marietta. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked a little bit before about uh, A, how and or why are they friends? Right. <laughs> why is Cho d clearly dragging Marietta to all of these? And, you know, I think the question then becomes, you know, with the events that ultimately unfold the way that they do. You mean her being a snake? Yes. Uh, does that alter that friendship? And I guess my perspective on it is I still don't understand exactly why Cho is a friend of Marietta uh, to begin with. Again, I don't know the social circles in the Ravenclaw uh, 
uh, common room. It's unclear to us because we get so little information on Too the other about, houses. Yeah, I would. I, that's one of the things I would definitely want to know. I'd be asking all the people, like, tell me about your common room. What's it like? This is what my common room's like. Like, I'm sure that we have, there are obviously more Ravenclaws than just Luna, Cho, Marietta, Michael Corner, Terry Boot, Anthony Goldstein. There are more Ravenclaws than that. So obviously there's people that she could associate with. And she's obviously a very pretty girl. She's a prominent member. She's the seeker of the Quidditch team. Mm -hmm. So she's a prominent member of the Quidditch team. Mm -hmm. You'd imagine she would have a fairly decent choice of I think it's people one of those situations where like I don't know some sometimes you have those situations where you have a friendship where you hang on to them and then you guys start to grow apart and then you're like why was I even friends with them in the first place they didn't really add anything to this but then they kind of just continue to hang around and almost look up to you and try to like sap your energy or in her case maybe her popularity just by being around her do you think they grew up together it could be like one of those that their parents maybe knew each other and then they were just friends yeah and then as you get older and as you mature you might grow apart a little bit maybe i could see that but you still like have that like loyalty even though you're yeah, not clicking the you're, same because you're like i remember who you were back then and you were always a lovely person, so the fact that you betrayed us, like... Kind of like a Lily Severus situation. Yeah, a little bit. I knew you before, and you were cool. <laughs> and now we're growing up, and we're kind of splitting apart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But props to Hermione's magic that that sneak really does not go away. I mean, and the six-year went on the train to school. She's, like, all covered up in really thick makeup and stuff. It's like... Oh gosh, what a what a jinx! Yeah, don't cross Hermione. <laughs> don't cross Hermione. Yeah, I I don't know how that relationship. I I'm we're just kind of going off of what we think might have been the source of that friendship, mm -hmm. and what might be that friendship going forward after these books. But I, for the life of me, I can't. Based on what we're given, I can't be like. Oh, yeah, that's clearly why Cho's hanging out with her. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very fulfilling friendship. Yeah. But anyway, do you have anything else left for the spoilers? Nope, I'm ready to see more DA action. Yeah, I think it was a really cool scene. I'm, you know, I, I spoke about in the Hog's Head how that's one of my favorite chapters, and that's the formation of the DA. Mm -hmm. So every time you see Harry becoming more and more comfortable leading once again i still think his job post-graduation should have been da teacher defense against the dark arts teacher well I, it's so he's so comfortable in this role eventually he, he gets to be comfortable in this role and it gives him more confidence in mm -hmm. himself which is great and satisfaction that he's helping people like this like he's doing good he's good at this and it helps so me thinking like you know reading these books from the perspective of Harry, I always associated with Harry, you know, reading these. It's so awesome for me to read this and Harry becoming from the awkward, socially anxious Harry mm -hmm. that you get 
at the beginning where he feels isolated yeah. and alone and the whole world is against him yeah. and he's backed into a corner and even his friends he feels like his closest friends he feels he can't even like be super comfortable with because they're not being honest with them and there's a lot going against Harry here at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix and you see him grow and develop into something better yeah throughout this book and it's such a it's a good character development it's a great character development through through the DA and the use of that um confidence builder yeah for him and for the students and then of course having them have his back in the ministry of magic is not a bad thing yeah but that's where it falls apart because harry's the one that put them there (laughs) in an unfortunate circumstance i still think though that for neville and luna as much as everything backfired and it was very very dangerous situation like for them to be able to step up and be there for their friends was like a really big thing they should not have survived that but we'll get there (laughs) but we will get there (laughs) when we get there and it's it's coming up relatively quickly we're already about halfway through this book which is crazy because it's what a month into school year yeah that (laughs) yeah about that so it's a long book it's a long book but i love it we will be back with chapter 19 next week please like post repost this podcast wherever you can help us grow and get to more listeners we really appreciate all of the feedback and all of the comments participate in our conversations by leaving those comments on spotify or on our twitter that elizabeth does such a great job and then dan will give you a shout out and then i will give you the shout out on the podcast (laughs) uh so that does really mean a lot to us that you guys are interacting with us and we're seeing what you guys think of Harry Potter and what you think of our thoughts of Harry Potter. And uh, as always, there's also that support the podcast link uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast where you can donate financially, which also really helps us with all the work that we put into this all the time. But with that, I think we'll wrap it up for Chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.